This is Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, episode number 195. Today, our special guest is nurse leader Michelle Durheim. Michelle gives her personal experience of work life balance and overcoming feelings of guilt as a healthcare leader. Stay tuned. to Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. This is the only podcast that shows you how to leverage polarity intelligence, an essential competency for healthcare leaders and the missing logic in healthcare so you can create healthy healing organizations and become a thriving, resilient, and unstoppable healthcare leader. We are your hosts, Tracy Christofferson and Michelle Troset. We've been best friends and colleagues for over 30 years. And during that time, we coached healthcare leaders across North America around how to create healthy healing organizations. Today, we coach healthcare leaders and leadership teams to live thriving, resilient, and balanced lives, combat burnout, and create the best places to give and receive care. This podcast is for the unsung hero of healthcare, the healthcare leader. We want you to know we see you and we'll be here for you each week. In this podcast, we're going to challenge healthcare's industry norms, flip limiting beliefs, and share proven strategies so you can be your best self at working at home, live and lead intentionally, and experience well-being and joy. We are glad you are here and look forward to sharing the journey with you. If you aren't totally convinced this podcast is for you, just listen to a few episodes and convince yourself. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast with Michelle and Tracy. Hey, it's Tracy. <laughs> live, <laughs> it's from, live from California. We're doing yes. remotely. So, yes, another our, remote podcast. Not our usual. But here we are. Do we, do we have a usual? Well, well, we're in the studio. I call that our usual, I guess. Maybe not. <laughs> yes, it's all up to your perspective. <laughs> oh, well, today we had the opportunity to interview a wonderful guest. She's an awesome nurse from Michigan. Um, and we met her at a conference that we were speakers at in January. And she is amazing. And just so many lessons out of her. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's walking the talk, you know. Yeah. And uh, we were uh, presenting on kind of reclaiming your life and, you know, leveraging and balancing personal and professional lives. And she uh, was in the audience, stood up to say a few words and uh, was just it was obvious that she had had a lot of lessons and had been able to implement some things to help her stay on track with these pieces. And asked, so we asked her if she'd be on our podcast and she was like, sure. So it was great. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we always like it to have meet a leader that can talk to all the leaders out there. So yeah. we know yeah. you're really going to enjoy this this episode. Yeah. So let me introduce our guest to you. Her name is Michelle Durheim, and uh, she's enjoyed the breadth of roles her nursing degrees has allowed her to fill in her 30 year career. Michelle started working in a neonatal intensive care unit directly out of nursing school and transitioned to adult ICU. As a bedside nurse, Michelle acted in charge nurse and staff educator roles, as well as teaching clinical groups of nursing students in their critical care rotations. Kind of sounds like my past. (laughs) (laughs) 
Michelle took on her first formal role as a leader managing an operating room and ambulatory care center. This first formal leadership role taught Michelle many important lessons about resilience, boundaries, and life priorities, and you're going to hear more about that very soon. She currently is the clinical nurse director for pediatric intensive care unit, the pediatric response team, and pediatric dialysis unit at the University of Michigan's Mott Children's Hospital. Well, welcome, Michelle, to Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. We're so excited to have you here with us today. I am excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this since we spoke. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> okay. So the first question we want to ask you is we would love for you to tell our listeners briefly how you chose to become a nurse. Hmm. All right. Well, it's uh, something that um, a little emotional sometimes for me. And I, I tell the story to a lot of my new staff. Uh, when they start, because I want them to understand my motivation for being a nurse. And I, and I love to hear their stories as well. So we always do that. But uh, when I was 15 years old, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. And over the course of the next nine months, um, I cared for her. And uh, she unfortunately did not survive that battle. But the last a uh, few weeks of her life, she, of course, spent time in the hospital, and she didn't want to die in our home. She thought that that would make it hard for me to live there, so she chose to die in a hospital, and there was a nurse that we had gotten to know. Her name was Maria, and Maria was just this fire plug of a little lady, and uh, I loved her because she uh, always wore um, pantsuit jumpsuits, and just she looked cool when you're 15, 16 years old somebody who has a little bit of fashion sense when they're coming to work. And she never sat still. She was just always on the move. So uh, my mom and I had both learned to enjoy uh, Maria. And uh, so she'd gotten to know us some as well. At that point, she'd been working uh, on the oncology unit for well over 20 years. And the morning that my mom slipped into a coma, um, Maria knew that this was probably her last day. So Maria came and got me. She knew I didn't sit still very well, just like her. And she said, come on, I'm going to teach you how to give your mom a bath. Well, that was a little intimidating uh, to think of. But Maria, very caring and very lovingly, uh, showed me and taught me what to do. And in a very tangible way, gave me a very uh, private and special way of saying goodbye to my mom. I'd been her caregiver for nine months, and uh, that's a pretty young age to uh, take over yeah. being a caregiver for your parent. Um, mm -hmm. And the beauty of that morning still sticks with me. Like I said, I can get emotional of just thinking about it still, and I'm a few years beyond that memory now. I'm a grandmother <laughs> myself, so it's been a few years. Um, but what I realized uh, as I... I pursued nursing and came back about five years later to that same hospital, which that morning after my mom had died, when I left, I thought I'd never wanted to go back there again. But I uh, became a nurse and I went and found Maria. Uh. And uh, I was excited to have found her and, oh, she didn't remember me. And that <laughs> hurt a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but as I developed my own practice, what I realized from Maria is that that 
gift that she gave me, she had given literally thousands of times. Um, ultimately, I worked with Maria for many years. Um, at one point, uh, I was her boss, <laughs> which uh, she just always loved direct patient care. She worked in the oncology unit for over 42 years before she retired. And when she retired in her 70s, she retired only because she was then going to care for her 96 and 98-year-old mother and mother-in-law who were moving in with her. So um, what I like to say about Maria is that she created the art of nursing. And she may have started her career drawing stick figures, but by the end of her career, she was a Rembrandt. And the art that she created every day and the gifts that she gave, uh, you know, I'm sure that there is more than one family that looks back on her practice fondly and uh, that she gave them a gift. And uh, I'm still grateful all these years later, um, nearly, yeah. oh my goodness, for nearly 40 years. Wow. Wow. So, That's such an amazing story, Michelle. And yeah. So it just is such an intimate, I, mm -hmm. I just kind of was there with you almost when you were telling that story and what an intimate experience yeah. that was for you and your mom. And just that reminds us all the power of one person that mm -hmm. you may not even realize the impact that you're having. Right. And yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What a beautiful story. Yeah. You know, yeah. You just don't know. No. You don't know. Every Everything you do has an impact, right? Absolutely. And you just don't know the significance of that always. And what a great role model for you yes. and an introduction, right, to nursing. Mm -hmm. And I can certainly see why it motivated you yes. to go into that field. And eventually you became a leader. I did. And as we read in your bio that, you know, this was like your first formal leadership role taught you a lot of really important things yes. <laughs> and lessons, right, around resilience, boundaries, mm -hmm. and life priorities. And so let's unpack that a little yeah. bit, because I think a lot of our leader listeners would be really interested to know kind of what you learned, the lessons that you learned. And let's just do these one at a time. So let's start with what were the lessons that you learned about resilience? Boy, resilience. Uh... You can't be resilient if you're not taking care of yourself. And as I uh, went to graduate school, was starting a family, um, I kind of forgot that you have to be a priority and that you have nothing left to give if you're not taking care of yourself. And I, uh, I wasn't exercising. I wasn't eating right. I was gaining weight. Um, I wasn't happy with myself because I was always giving to everybody else. And so uh, what I realized is that to be resilient and to be able to get up again the next morning and to give myself again to others, my family, uh, my staff, I had to first take care of myself. And so that was a, a I would say not a fast learned lesson and one that I continue to learn uh, as life changes come and yes. realizing how my self-care needs to change. Um, I have family, very precious family, my son and his daughter-in-law and my grandchildren that live here in Arizona, which is where I am right now, uh, visiting them. And then I realized that to take care of myself, I need to not be missing them too much. And that that resilience that I need every day 
means that I need to see them regularly. So I work with my boss um, and she allows me to work some here from Arizona, which I can do as a leader and still participate with my team. Um, but then that allows me to come more often, which is an awesome thing. And that's what I know now I need to do more self-care and mm -hmm. so that I can be resilient and be able to give to my staff because, man, toddlers grow fast. <laughs> and, <laughs> I, I don't want to miss uh, some of those precious moments because I am, I'm a committed leader. I love my team. I love the work that we do. Um, but that resilience for me to be able to get out of bed the next morning, I, I need to, I need to see these little people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're so important. I know that's what fills my bucket. I can tell you. <laughs> and I don't live near mine. I don't live near any of my grandchildren either. So it's so important, yeah. right. To, to, to be with them and to witness mm -hmm. their growth and development over time. Yeah. I, I certainly understand that Yeah, and how it lifts you up mm -hmm. and gives you the energy to do the things you need to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally in alignment with that. What about boundaries? That was, you learned some lessons around boundaries too. So oh, yeah. <laughs> tell us a little bit about those lessons. Yeah. That, I would say this is all so knotted and interconnected. Um, and so a lot of time spent sorting things out and understanding who I am as a person. And so uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Enneagram. Oh, yeah. Um, and understanding your basic personality. Um, I'm a, a two on the Enneagram, which is a helper or a giver. And, um, but what I realized over time is that I may be on the outside looking very Oh, generous and very like, oh, wow, Michelle is such a giving person. But I may not always have the purest motives, and I may actually be giving something to you and expecting something in return. It could be as simple as a thank you, or uh, could be more complex. But what I realized is that I, I did it at work too, and I, I overgave and I overextended myself to the point that uh, it, 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 it wears on you because you're, you're mm -hmm. giving too much and you're not getting enough back. So mm -hmm. I started exercising the phrase in my mind, is that mine? Is that mine to take? Is that mine to volunteer for? Is that mine to do? And if the answer was really no, then that's a boundary for me because, or the other question I would say, is that mine to do? And if it's yes or no, can I do it without expecting something in return? And if I can't, then I need to do some thinking and can I change that? Or is it just a boundary? And no, that's going to have to be no, because I can't cross that one and not expect something to come back from me. So I'm not, I'm not going to be able to give that. So um, to give you an example, uh, when you have a staff, uh, have about 180 staff members, and that's a lot of people under your direction. And so uh, they, they know that early in the morning, I am an early morning runner. That's part of my self-care. I protect that time and my staff mm -hmm. respect that boundary because mm -hmm. I give them access to me, but they know that there are times of the day that they don't have that access and I hold that boundary. And I'll say to them, if it's an emergency, you can call me between four and six in the morning. But if it's not an emergency, I'm going to ask you that you wait. I know you know I'm up and I know you know I'm running 
And you may say to yourself, oh, well, I know Michelle's up, but if I don't have that peace and quiet and that time to myself, then I know my day doesn't go very well. Um, there was a, a, a trip that we had taken, uh, my husband and I actually out here to Arizona and weather had delayed our flight back. We had um, unfortunately a threat of a school shooting back in Michigan, which took the the supervisor who was supposed to report to the unit that morning off the unit. And so for all very good reason. So that's an emergency. She contacted me. So I immediately got up on about three hours worth of sleep and went to the unit because of course the joint commission was showing up that day. So <laughs> of course, like really? And so the charge nurse, so on the night shift, when I came in to do the, the sweep of our unit to make sure that we were ready for our esteemed visitors, said, did you run? And I said, no, I didn't have enough time. And she's like, ooh, what can I get you? Do you need caffeine? <laughs> <laughs> so the, the great part of it is, is that when you make your boundaries clear, mm -hmm. staff will respect them. Yeah. And yeah. and you actually can then mentor them and guide them. Mm -hmm. And uh just one more example of a boundary that I I I have for for myself that I don't expect of my staff. So so much I I get concerned that I am such a morning person. I I'm up at 3 a.m. It's just my habit and it's when I can have that peace and quiet. Um but I also go to bed at like 7.30. So people, you know, don't, don't say I don't sleep. I do sleep. But on my email, I have a closing line that says, um, my work hours are my choice to promote my balance. Please do the same and answer the email during yours. Because I don't want staff to see that I'm sending email at three and four in the morning and think that I have that expectation of them. I don't. Um, so I want to make sure that they understand that that's how I maintain my balance. That's my boundary for me, but you're never going to get an email from me at nine o'clock at night. Nope. It's not going to happen because <laughs> I am sleeping. <laughs> so, but I, I encourage others to do that and I want to respect that. So, you know, that, that whole resilience and boundaries, it's so fluid and, um, you know, life to me, just the older I get, the more I realize that the less, it's not the boundaries, but the lines and the compartments and the having, you know, I have to be this way at work and I have to be this way at home that, nope, this is me. You get me? And what, no matter where I am, this is me. Uh, and yeah. so life becomes much more fluid and you can flow and you don't have to have like, well, no, this is my home box and this is my work box and this is my family box. And this is, you know, it, it doesn't right. work. Um, so right. the difference between right. maybe boxes and boundaries, maybe that's the, the difference <laughs> for me. Well, I think it's unique to each person, right? And so you're fine. You have found what works for you, mm -hmm. right? And how to flow between them. And, and that's something that we also talk with leaders about. Life is dynamic, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you are who you are and you're bringing all of who you are in every place that you're in and any environment right. that you go to. Right. So it's just really, it's not so much the things you do, right. It's what you're not doing mm -hmm. that's impacting your ability to be resilient right. or your ability to have boundaries. Right. right? So that's kind of understanding those things and learning mm -hmm. that. 
for yourself, yes. right? Well, what about life priorities? Yeah. <laughs> now that also, right, kind of feeds right into this little, yes. you know, threesome, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The equation. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so this is why your polarity map spoke to me so much when we met, um, when I attended the conference where we were, I was, I just felt like my whole leadership team, we were very fortunate to have been able to all be there. Um, that polarity map, because of the fluidity of it and the back and forth, really spoke to me. So it's the same with priorities. It's my life priorities. It's um, I, I don't have to have the boxes because it's not a problem to solve. This is my life. And so um, my vacations, uh, I my rule with my family is that um, and when everybody's sleeping and I'm up early, I work. When everybody's awake, I don't work. And so that it's not a problem to solve that work creeps into creeps into vacation time. It's that this is where I can slide the dial up and down. I do less work, more family time. And then when I'm home, I can do more work and less family time. And so that whole thing about the, the priorities is really um, some of its timing, some of its place. Some of it, you know, work can get more demanding. Um, you know, you have you have an employee, unfortunately, that may show up uh, that has a severe emotional problem or a substance abuse problem, and yeah, that's that's going to take some time, and and that may be a fifteen hour day to help get them the help and get them connected. But then you slide the dial back and you take more personal time another another day, and so. By not seeing it as a problem, um, it, it, that really, that has ha- helped me shift even more about where priorities need to be um, and not thinking of everything as a problem, but as a polarity. That's, that is really, that's been a big difference for my team. And I love it when um, one of my team, so I, I have nine leaders uh, on my team and somebody will say, well, that, that's really not a problem that's a polarity. Let's talk that through. And I'm like, yes, we're getting there. So it's really, it's been really fun since the conference to uh, have those conversations with the team. Uh, yeah. Well, so much of what you deal with as a leader is a polarity. It's not a problem, oh, right? But for sure. we've only had those, that pair of lenses on for so long. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when it comes to the life priorities too, when you're really clear on your priorities, mm-hmm then it's just a matter of adjustment, like you said, right? And as long as you're paying attention to your priorities and you know what your priorities Mm -hmm. are, then it's easier, right? Because you just say, okay, this is what the priority is today. All right, now I'm going to move over here and then I'll I'll adjust this to meet this priority tomorrow, right? Like, so you make it more fluid, but it's when you're not clear in your priorities or everything's a priority, right? right? And you don't have that clarity that you can get into trouble because oh, you're yeah. treating like everything is urgent. Everything's a priority mm-hmm. when in truth, it probably is not. Right. And having I, what I hear from you yeah. is you got really clear yep. on what the priority for you and you make adjustments and yes. choices based on. Those Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think um, something you said, Tracy, just kind of triggered another thought that in, as you are thinking through those priorities in in life, um, the the time that you have to give, it doesn't 
make anything less important. And so you almost have to live with a, a little bit of a level of discomfort. Like I think we as nurses mm-hmm. and even healthcare people in general, we like to finish things. We finish our shift, we finish our charting, we finish, 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 finish. When you move into that leadership realm, you have to get comfortable knowing that the work's really never going to be done and that there's always going to be something to do tomorrow. And again, that's not a problem, but my priority at the end of the day is do I have the, the priorities I needed done at work today completed? And now my priority can shift outside of work to my mm-hmm. husband, my family, my self-care. Um, and so that comfortability, if, is that a word? Um, but feeling comfortable <laughs> as a leader, knowing that 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 work is really never finished. But right. are the priorities met enough today to allow you to wind down? Because I think when you don't have that and mm-hmm. you want to get to the end of it, that's what I think I burned myself out in that first leadership role. Yeah. And that I, I wanted it done and done and done and done and done. And uh, I never was able to move to then a different priority and work was just always there. And I lit yeah. the candle at both ends and came to the meet in the middle and there wasn't nothing left. <laughs> Yeah, that's what happens. Yeah, that's what yeah. happens. That's a great, that's a great distinction. Mm-hmm. You know, is this enough today? Mm-hmm. Have I done the key things I needed to do today? Yeah. And some days the answer might be no. That's a reality, yes. right? And then is it so urgent mm-hmm. that I have to continue? Yeah. Or is this, can I pick this up tomorrow? Yes. Right. And just making that determination before you leave work mm-hmm. before, you know, so that you can leave right. work, right? Like I think we just carry that stuff in a backpack around with us all night. Right. And then it just keeps knocking on our back. Like, Hey, Hey, right. Hey, you know, I'm here, I'm here. I'm here. And, and you don't let go. And then you burn out, right. You're exhausted right. from carrying it around and you're not doing it. Right. But you feel guilty about oh, it. So, oh, yeah. guilt. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that well, one's coming up. Yeah, that one's coming up. We got the guilt thing coming up. <laughs> well, you know, uh, Michelle, we we so enjoyed meeting you at that leadership conference. Mm-hmm. And just for our listeners, Tracy and I delivered a four-hour keynote address to, um, you know, to over two hundred leaders in Michigan mm-hmm. in January. And Michelle was in the audience, yeah. <laughs> and so, and we we know when we introduce polarities to certain people, there are people that are naturally polarity thinkers. They just never Mm -hmm. even knew what to call it. Right. And you certainly were figuring this out with your Mm -hmm. own journey. Yeah. Um, And we were so thrilled that uh, we had the opportunity to actually introduce the professional life and personal life polarity. It's a key one that leaders struggle with. And we work with leaders um, in our coaching programs um, on this particular one. And I'm just curious, now that you have the tool in your hand, and it's been over a month, Mm -hmm. (laughs) in what ways have you even applied it more as a tool? Um, as being a leader. Yeah. Like I said, it it just really spoke to me and I guess I'm Mm -hmm. a natural polarity thinker. Maybe that, that's a, maybe that's where I I am at this point in my life, but um, I actually keep it on my desk. It's a pot, the one that we built that day. It's it's sitting um, right on the top because it, what it helps me do because the guilt still pricks in the back of your mind. Like I'm not 
can I ever be enough? Am I ever good enough as a leader? Do, you know, do I need to give more? Um, but having that there to remind me of, you know, today I can give a little bit more, but tomorrow I need to give a little more to home. And so, you know, that, that ability to see it that way and to let the guilt go. Um, and I know I had, I think I shared this with you guys uh, that day that I had a very, very uh, wise mentor. Uh, and she said to me, Michelle, no one can make you feel any way that you don't allow them to. And that just, wow. So nobody can make me feel guilty. I choose to feel guilty. Nobody can make me feel like I'm not enough. I choose to feel like I'm not enough. So the power of that is that I can also choose differently. And so I can choose to say, you know what? I am enough. And you know, yeah, there's tough days as leaders. And yeah, there's days I get tired too. But overall, I know that I have the confidence of my staff and the, the, ability to lead this this team and that that is a um, something I've, I've been through as a leader and several leadership roles and been able to replicate if that's the right word um, that culture of being a trusted leader and mm-hmm. so I I take that forward with me and on those days when you feel that little pinprick in the back of your mind um, to reassure myself that uh, nope not gonna I'm not going down that hole not going down that rabbit hole today and pull yourself out and that's my choice and I I choose to have that power over my own emotion to pull myself out of that so yeah well that little prick in the back of your brain is your early warning sign right that's on the map itself like oh there's that feeling again Mm -hmm. I have a choice now and you can move into action yeah yeah absolutely for sure yeah, and, and I like that you're keeping it right in front of you because I think that's so yeah. important. Sometimes we create these tools. We think, oh, I I, I know that, right? Like, yeah. But I think until you create that habit, until you really mm-hmm. embed that thinking into your everyday, make it like a, a you know unconscious competence. You need those reminders. You need it. You need that roadmap in front of you to remember where I'm going, why I'm here. You know, keep those early warning yeah. signs in front of you and and be mindful about the action. So I think that's really yeah. great that you're keeping yeah. it in front of you and, and that it's helping you. And, you know, I, I think, um, you know, back to the guilt thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've just been so, I guess, surprised and not surprised at almost every leadership group that we talk with, the guilt thing comes mm-hmm. up, right? The guilt about not doing enough at work or not being there when everybody else is working and struggling so hard, not being at home, right? right. When you're at home, not being at work, like that whole tension, oh, right? Yeah. Which is really what's represented in that tension between your professional life and your personal mm-hmm. life and those feelings, right? right. Those feelings right. of guilt. But what what is maybe, you know, I, other than I think you just gave a really great example, right, of the kind of letting go and making choices yeah. when it comes to the guilt. What other recommendations would you have for leaders that are kind of struggling or grappling with this guilt and how they might let go of it? Yeah, I really think uh, examining yourself and, and the expectations that you have for yourself, because I think so many times we set ourselves up for that guilt and that failure by expect having unrealistic expectations of ourselves. So, um, you know, 
you'll never make 100% of the people happy 100% of the time. And you have to accept that as a leader. Uh, you have to accept how your role changes. So when you're, a, if you start as staff and then transition into a leadership role in the same area, that is challenging because you you have relationships with people and it changes then when you're the leader. Not understanding that then can heap more guilt on because then you're seeing people change how they treat you. And then you feel like, oh, see, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. Um, and in our, in healthcare, and I, I, I hate this part about healthcare, um, we can be catty. You know, that whole thing about we eat our young, we don't let people make mistakes, we're unforgiving, you know, people's lives are on the line. Um, and we don't create a just or a safe culture when we do that. And so I think recognizing your own triggers, realizing no one is 100% perfect, practicing some self-forgiveness so that mm -hmm. you can be humble as a leader and admit when you make a mistake mm -hmm. um, and not beat yourself up. So um, I'll give you an example. I, I had been in the pediatric ICU um, back in the PICU for about a year and a half. We had a, a case that was a, a fairly gruesome injury, and uh, the face was involved in the injury, and so it it was very uh, disturbing for the staff to to take care of them. So I said, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna warn people. We're going to uh, maybe select a few of our senior nurses until this patient has been a little more recovered because this was a very um, unsettling injury. And so uh, I was accused of um, being racially biased uh, in doing that. And it lit my fuse as a leader and I went off on my staff and I, you know, this is hurtful. I can't believe that you would think this, you know, this is in by no means racially motivated. Um, and I realized I didn't do enough calming myself down before I got in front of my staff and and um, was not appropriate. Well, one of my senior staff um, came and talked with me and she's like, you know, that doesn't help anybody <laughs> when you talk to us that way. I'm like, I said, but that was so unfair. And she's like, but Michelle, being a leader, sometimes people are going to say things and, you know, and she was mentoring me. And so yeah. um, I, because my blunder was public, my apology needed to be public. And I held a special staff meeting and I apologized for my behavior and that it felt unjust to me and that I wasn't going to justify what I did. What I did was wrong. And the way I behaved was wrong. And, uh, and I would say that in those moments, we have the ability to prove our mettle as a leader. And if you're willing enough to be humble mm -hmm. and realize your mistakes and admit them and be vulnerable, you can come out on the other side of a blunder actually stronger as a leader if you yeah. if you can do those things. It's never easy. Never easy. No, no. <clears throat> no, it's not, but you're a human being, right. right? And I think that just shows that to people. Mm -hmm. And to me, that was a great partnering relationship mm 
that you had with your senior staff person yeah. for them to be able to come to you and say that, mm-hmm. right? Like, hey, here's my perspective on this. And for you to be open yeah. to that, that just shows the depth of relationship that you did. Right. And when you have <laughs> deep relationships, that's a foundation for everything else, right? So you can make mistakes because we're all going to, right. but there's more forgiveness and understanding when you have a strong, mm-hmm. healthy relationship with your, you know, with your team. Yeah. Yeah. And and you and you learned from it. Right. So Mm -hmm. those things are going to happen. And it's so important whenever we have those difficult Mm -hmm. lessons in life that we pause and -hmm. like, what am I supposed to learn from this? So. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 For sure. That's great. That's great. Yeah. 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 But it didn't, you know, it wasn't the defining end of your career, no, right? No. <laughs> like we make mistakes and people think, oh my gosh, like as a leader, right? And especially as a new leader, can't make any mistakes. I can't do anything oh, wrong. Gosh. Right? It's not, it, not going to end everything. That's right. Like it's just, it's learning from it and recognizing it, moving on. Right. Like just move on. Right. Move on. Yep. Create a ceremony for yourself. Keep moving. I'm letting this go. Yeah. I'm leaving it behind. You know, yep. uh, some ritual for yourself, some self-forgiveness needs to enter in so that you yes. can really get your mind free. Because if you stay in it, that that's when that's when you will start to fail as a leader because you, you just can't stay in the trench. You cannot stay in the trench. Yeah. Can't keep that loop. Nope. Right. Change the tape. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Change the tape. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. That's great. That's great. Well, are we ready for the missing questions? I think so. All right. All right. Here we go, Michelle. Now, we've been talking a lot about you and your professional life and uh, kind of what you've been doing as a leader to manage that and have resilience and be balanced. And so we just like to ask a few little secret questions at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Just really just kind of let our listeners know you a little bit on a personal sure. side and you spoke a little bit about your personal life as well, but nothing you can't handle. These aren't hard. Okay. <laughs> They're just kind of fun. All right. So the first missing question is we know you love your leadership role as a grandma because every grandma is Absolutely. a leader. That's for sure. <laughs> so what is one thing you hope to role model for your grandchildren, especially about work-life balance? Oh gosh. Um, I think it's that priorities uh that they know that yes grammy can work and um but that they are a higher priority always and that uh, that they can always approach and if grammy tends you know is even on a meeting or doing her email that they can be safe in approaching because they know that they're a priority and then hopefully then in, in turn they can model that to their people that are important in their lives as they grow. So people are, Uh, people are the priority. Oh, they are. They are. And those relationships are so important. And they learn a lot. They learn a lot just from watching you, right? How you are. Oh, absolutely. Oh, they learn everything that (laughs) way, right? right? (laughs) Initially. Yeah. Everything is all about interactions (laughs) and what they observe and, and it gets embedded into them yes. for the rest of their lives. So you're Absolutely. doing the right things there. Yeah, yeah, I had to chuckle. So I dropped right. my phone when we were out here and I told my daughter-in-law, I'm very glad the children weren't around because when I realized I broke my phone, Grammy said some words that she would not want them to hear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, things like that happen too, right? Yeah. All right. The next question. 
is what is one fun, fun thing you like to do that might surprise other people? Oh, I actually really love the dance. <laughs> All right. Awesome. It's kind of, um, I, I don't know. My sister, my oldest sister was on a dance team uh, when she was in high school. And I just always thought that was the coolest thing. And so um, we used to dance in our basement when I was a kid. And I still love to uh, put on some good music. I don't care if I'm the only one. Um, uh, I'll just move around and dance. It's just, it's fun. I, I love to just enjoy the the movement and the music and it's a a good release for me. So sometimes it may be three o'clock oh, in the morning awesome. and I'm just dancing in my basement, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> That's good for you. Feeds your soul. That's great. Absolutely. Absolutely. They say dance like yeah, nobody's watching. Yeah. Well, I'm very sure yeah. nobody's watching. So. <laughs> I just came across this reel this weekend. I don't know if it was Instagram or Facebook, but this guy, he dances every morning with his coffee oh. and, he, and he kind of mock sings, right? He lip syncs and dances. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, what a great way to just kind of wake up That's and do right. anything. Oh, yeah. Oh, really <laughs> let it go. Yeah, let it go. Yeah. I totally can relate. So yeah, that would yeah. probably surprise a few people. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we have one more wrap-up question for okay. you, Michelle. And as you know, we teach healthcare leaders about polarity intelligence, and we're trying to bring that both and mindset or both and thinking into healthcare. And polarities are everywhere. Yeah. Now, you were introduced to the professional life and personal life, but they are mm -hmm. everywhere. Mm -hmm. And um, everyone has a preference poll. So even though they're both equally important to achieve a higher purpose, we tend to lean more towards one pole over the other. So I'm going to share a polarity with you. Okay. And I want you to tell us and our listeners what your preference pole is. Okay. 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 Present focused and future focused. Ooh, future focused. Oh, that didn't take her long at all. Yeah, I can, I can <laughs> Definitely lose. a preference came right <laughs> out. I can lose the present by looking forward to what's happening next. And then like, wait, well, two weeks ago, I was looking forward to this. And I'm looking past it to what's happening two weeks from now. And I'm not appreciating what I'm doing right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that is great. Right. They're both important, but we do tend to lean. So yeah. that was that was an easy one for you to answer. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it has been just awesome having you as a guest on oh, our podcast. This yeah. This has been so. really fun. This has been fun. Oh, good. Well, good. good. You can add podcasting to your fun list. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like hanging out with a bunch of friends. This has been really great. <laughs> yeah. I know. Isn't it? Yes. It's great. Yeah. Are there any? Uh, well, we're so grateful that you, that yeah. you decided to join oh. us, right? That you agreed to share your story. Yeah. There's we know there's leaders out there that have had some really significant lessons yeah. and anytime we can kind of have them share their stories, it helps other people know yes. it is possible yeah. to have this, right? It is possible to be a mm -hmm. leader that thrives and has balance. And so thanks for I sharing. So. Yeah. Oh, thanks for asking yeah. me. I feel very honored. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, you bet. And we'll keep in touch. Okay. Sounds great. Okay. Sounds great. All right. 
And for our listeners out there watching on our YouTube or listening on the airwaves, we thank you so much for joining this special podcast with Michelle and another episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. And stay safe and healthy, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Hi, it's Tracy, and we're hearing from healthcare leaders all across the U.S. how exhausted they are, how they are struggling with work-life balance, and how guilty they feel most of the time. If you're like these leaders, you're wondering whether you have the stamina to continue in your role because this new normal, with increasing expectations, staff demands, and competing priorities, is depleting your energy and leaving you questioning your purpose and your future. We want you to know we hear you and we see you. And this is why we're inviting you to register for the How to Reclaim Your Life in Five Steps webinar. These five steps will move you from where you are today to becoming a thriving, resilient, and unstoppable or true healthcare leader. So you can create balance between your professional and personal life, grow and evolve as a leader, and live the life you truly desire, not the one that's left over after you've given all your time and energy to everybody else. So go over to missinglogic.com forward slash new dash events to learn more and register now. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, now a top rated podcast for healthcare leaders. Please share this podcast with other healthcare leaders and anyone else you think would benefit. We are certain that if you found value in it, they will too. If you haven't already done so, please hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And also, it would mean the world to us if you took a quick moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast player. It helps to get the word out about our podcast and incredible guests. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to watch our podcasts. You can also follow us on our Missing Logic social media channels, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Until next time.